Father, I pray that you would give us the heart of Mary this morning, that we would lay before your feet, hear from your word, not be distracted, and recognize that your word is good, it is true, it is necessary for our growth, and I pray that you would empower Adam to preach it boldly this morning. Amen. This morning, as we go through the Mary and Martha episode, many of us are quite familiar with this, whether we've been taught this or we've read through it, or we've heard sermons on it in different contexts and so forth. And the typical sermon that we hear, or the way that we approach this text, has often been from a contrast of one who is all about the doing, um, which is Martha, and one who is all about the being. Or perhaps it's phrased, depending on your choice of contrast, it's a contrast between one, Martha, who is working, and Mary, who is resting. Or in some of its most strong forms, the contrast can be set out between Mary and Martha, one of legalism, of the doing, of the checklist, and one of grace, and one of resting, and one of receiving. But I hope to prove and push forward through Luke's gospel this morning that this is not actually the contrast that's being set forward by Luke at all. Rather, what we see Luke doing here is staying with the theme that he's been working at since the early portions of his gospel, particularly as we consider just the last few weeks and the earlier sections of chapter 10. Luke is continually developing working with, as he does with Mary and Martha here, the theme of hospitality, or what we've seen uh, in the earlier chapters, the issue of receptivity to the gospel. Ever since the early portions in this chapter... He has been explaining two responses to the gospel at large, as he's been working since the early portion of chapter 10. There is a positive response that some will express. This he told the 72 when he commissioned them to go forward, to go into all the villages of Galilee. There will be some who will issue to you a positive response to your preaching. This positive response is when they arrive, it is expressed in hospitality. Remember our Lord saying, whoever receives you, it is there. The folks who take you in, who receive you well, who feed you, provide you nourishment, offer you shelter, there in that place of receptivity, that place of hospitality, heal their sick and nourish their faith. Later on through the chapter, he goes, after he goes through um, the return of the 72, we looked at it a couple of weeks ago, he explains that these folks in these villages and all that hear the gospel and sow such a spirit of receptivity are considered children. They are infants, those who receive simply and rest upon Christ as he has offered to them in the gospel. These are the children and the infants, those of receptivity and hospitality. On the other hand, you have another response that the disciples of the 72 disciples engaged, and they experienced in the villages of Galilee, no doubt, and our Lord expresses about Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. It's a negative response to the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. This negative response of which, again, when the gospel is preached each and every time, there are only two responses, one of receptivity and one of rejection. So the negative response that our Lord expressed as he spoke of it, whether it be Chorazin, as I said, Bethsaida or Capernaum, is a response of showing contempt for the disciples. 
They basically run them out of town when they begin preaching. They offer them no provisions whatsoever. They utterly reject them. Jesus makes this clear, that the ultimate expression of what that, that, that running the disciples off is actually not simply a rejection of the disciples, but it is a rejection of himself. And now, with this sense of hospitality or receptivity to the gospel, Luke's interest in using Mary and Martha is to explain in greater detail to you and I what type of hospitality, or or maybe we could say what kind of welcome Jesus is seeking. So again, we've seen, if I could just once again, we've seen there is a receptivity, there is a welcome, and there is a rejection or a running off. And now the story is going to narrow to these two women to help us understand in greater detail or more specificity what kind or type of welcome Jesus is seeking. Notice the text right away, verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now, as we begin to see the portrait of Martha, tying it back into the early sections of chapter 10, presents Martha in a very positive light. Martha exemplifies, actually, the exact type of receptivity so far in chapter 10 that Jesus is looking for. Jesus entered a village. The 72 entered various villages throughout Galilee. Where you're received, there heal their infirmities and nourish their faith. So now we have an example of Jesus himself entering a village with his disciples. And there, in that village, there is a response. It is one of welcome and one of hospitality by a woman named Martha. It's this positive portrait of Martha at the very outset that is important for us to note because, once again, oftentimes we have unfairly criticized Martha. Again, if we look at the text just, and, we, and we just skip right over the detail of it, in its larger context, it would say, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she and her sister called Mary and sat at Jesus' feet, so on and so forth. We get to 40, and Martha, by the way, is just distracted with much serving. And in that way, we short-circuit the picture of Martha. We skip ahead to an unfair portrait of Martha. We see Martha oftentimes, once again, is more legalistic, less contemplative. But that's not how Luke is portraying her. Rather, step in Martha's shoes just for a moment, even at the beginning of verse 38. From Martha's standpoint, by welcoming Jesus and his disciples, most likely, into her home, She is assuming all the domestic workload that goes with it. So we recognize already, this is a portrait of what he told the 72. This is is the right response to the gospel. Now there's Jesus and his entourage 
of which we don't know how narrowed down it is from the 72, what the number exactly is of what Jesus is doing right now or who is all with him. But it's clear at the very beginning of 38, they together went on their way. And Jesus, now as the story focuses upon him, entered a village. But there's no indication that the men did not or that somehow they parted from him. But the story is going to center on Christ and center on Mary and Martha. So it's natural that they say, and Jesus entered. But nonetheless, from Martha's standpoint, she sees Jesus and an entourage of men with him. What is her initial response? To welcome him and to assume all the domestic workload that comes with it. From Martha's standpoint, she has to now go forward and purchase She willingly undertakes the burden of chopping, cutting, cooking, and cleaning, etc. The first century issues of hospitality or the first century hospitality norms are behind the next parable as well as we get to chapter 11. If you look over at chapter 11, this sense of hospitality in verse 6 is is kind of the foundation for making sense of the parable in 11.6. It says, for a friend of mine, so in verse 5, and he said to him, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, let me free lo- three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, don't bother me, so on and so forth. And we'll unpack the parable next week. But the underlying premise to the entire episode is one of the burdens that come with being hospitable. So is. Martha comes forward to receive Jesus and the disciples. She's receiving them in that historical context. There is a lot of work to be performed. There's a, there are a lot of duties to go through to welcome Jesus properly, to receive his disciples and nourish them. So even initially, we need to step back and grasp that for Martha, what we see here is that her rushing about is not a sign of neglect or utter indifference that she's more concerned about the doing and less about the, the being, more about legalism and less about grace. It's quite the opposite so far as we have access to it in the early chapter 10. Her willingness to serve Jesus and those who were very likely still with him is a sign of godly service, a willingness to steward her household well, and as our Lord made clear, a sign of gospel receptivity. One author makes this comment about Martha, quote, Martha used her gift of hospitality to serve others. And when she had the opportunity to do this work for Jesus, she wanted to shine, end quote. So you see, at this point, we see Martha, a woman who is receptive and willing to serve, willing to host and provide for, care for, and receive Christ into her home. That's not the problem. However, Jesus pushes for all of us, as we read the text and for Mary and Martha, Jesus pushes hospitality further than what Martha, in her current thinking and cultural context, has in mind. It's not that she's unhospitable or indifferent, but he is pushing it more narrowly to what kind of welcome, what kind of hospitality he is looking for. In other words, 
discipleship is centered differently than Martha's current ideas. Look at verse 39 as we see this. So Martha here is warm and welcoming and hospitable. Verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary. Now, anybody in here, and I see it with my own two little girls, anybody in here who sees it, or who has a sister and reads the text, and she had a sister called Mary, knows the story has to get more dramatic. <laughs> it's got to be, at this very statement, a story that's going to get more complex in a very short period of time. That's just necessary because there's a sister involved. So we see this, this situation thickening. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Notice right away about Mary is that she is in many ways similar to Martha. Because she too wanted to host Jesus. She was excited for the opportunity to have Jesus in their home. So, so far, Mary and Martha are similar in their disposition, in their receptivity toward the gospel. However, Luke makes clear that Mary exemplifies perfectly the kind of welcome that Jesus is seeking. That's what makes her distinct from Martha. Two things in particular stand out about the distinctions between Martha's receptivity and Mary's receptivity. Though they both be receptive, there is a distinction without a division among them. The distinctions in particular that stand out for Mary is number one, she takes a posture of a disciple. That is distinct from Martha. The posture of a disciple. Notice how the text reads. Mary, and then the first thing we learn about Mary is that she sat at the Lord's feet. To sit at someone's feet in this cultural context doesn't imply that it's kind of like the house pet who comes and just begs for attention, hopes you gaze their way. But rather, culturally considering what Mary is doing as she's sitting at the feet, implying indeed submission to the one who is there. But even more, more controlling in the picture is a spirit of attentiveness. When Paul speaks of his relationship to Gamaliel in the book of Acts, and he's explaining and preaching to the Jews who he is, what he's all about, where he's been from, what he did as a student to bring himself to this point, Paul expresses his relationship to the rabbi as, quote, I was educated at the feet of Gamaliel. You see, this sitting at Jesus' feet is indeed acknowledging submissiveness, but it is even more focused on attentiveness. This, in chapter 10, sets in great contrast to the lawyer. This is the exact opposite of the spirit of the lawyer. Do you remember early on, and behold, verse 25, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to test. 
But the picture of receptivity is one who humbly sits to receive. This is the mark of a disciple. Not an antagonistic, indifferent lawyer. This is the attentiveness that Jesus is seeking. One that takes the posture, even, of a disciple. Secondly, consider the next piece, the particular, that sets Mary and Martha apart. Is what she's doing to sit at Jesus' feet. Notice 39. Mary sat at the Lord's feet. Again, she's ready to learn. And that's what she did. She listened to his teaching. This sense of listening to Jesus' words fills in the whole picture of the sitting. That's the concept of Gamaliel and Paul. I, I, I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. In other words, I learned from him. I hung on his every word. I was a disciple of Gamaliel. And it's the same context that we see Mary sitting. In other words, Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. And this is significant. This is very important to the entire story of the text. Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet because she wanted to be a disciple. She wanted to be competent in the gospel of the kingdom. Now, it is precisely this issue of discipleship that bothers Martha so badly. You see, historically speaking, Jewish women during this, during this time normally performed the domestic chores. So when you think of welcoming someone to your house and what Martha is doing is very straightway. It's not at all out of the ordinary. And she didn't despise it. She didn't wish to be doing something else. It was what she undertook pleasurably. She wanted to prepare, wanted to facilitate the Lord and his men. And it was in this context that would be expected of Martha. Because women did the chores in order to facilitate the instruction of the men. Now think of that. Martha's doing it. She passes in this room. She passes back out of that room. And she sees Mary doing what? It's not that she despised what she herself was doing. But women were supposed to work in order to facilitate the instruction of the men. They were not persons who, they're, who they themselves engaged in the study. And she knew that when she welcomed Jesus in. N.T. Wright notes, The real problem between Martha and Mary wasn't the workload that Martha had in the kitchen. It wasn't as though she was walking around smashing dishes to make a point, clinging spoons and forks together, sighing and making deep grunting noises in order to irritate the crowd, let them know how put out she felt. No. The real problem was that Mary was behaving as if she were a man. Mary has quietly taken her place as a would-be preacher and teacher of the kingdom of God. 
this principally bothered Martha. Now again, I don't think we can take the family component out of the story either. Again, I have two little girls. I see how sisters act. I was, I was raising uh, two boys and one girl, so I've never seen the sister dynamic up close um, in my own upbringing, but I see it already in my two younger girls. And um, you guys can judge if you've seen it in Adri and Anna. But you cannot draw away, I'll just, without referencing them, you cannot draw away the family component. One author writing on the dynamics of sister relationships says, quote, Sisters are the crabgrass in the lawn of life. Even your best girlfriend will choose her words more carefully when criticizing or offering an opinion. Not sisters, especially older ones. They're the ones who will splash cold water on your face, offering parenting, fashion, hair, makeup, money, advice, usually unsolicited, and can make you feel like you're an insecure 12-year-old girl all over again. Older sisters somehow just have a way and feel that they're in the role of putting you in your place at warp speed, end quote. And this is exactly this sense of familial ownership of the relational dynamics between Mary and Martha that gets Martha exercised. Again, if it was the neighbor lady sitting at Jesus' feet, maybe Martha would hold her breath a little tightly, wouldn't overreact. But the dynamic of having your own sister do that allows for a new level of freedom. And look at exactly what Martha does. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, can't you just hear this, the, the dynamic of this situation? <laughs> Lord, do you not care? And that's how she, again, I don't think the family dynamics can be missed because she doesn't say Mary. Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Again, there's a different sense of wrath with this, indifference, annoyance, anger about this Mary issue. Tell her, and then it moves to commanding the Lord. You know, it's almost, you, you can see where, you know, in fi- family dynamics, one person will appeal to dad, and it'll be one of the sisters in the dynamic relationship. Dad, can't you da 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 tell her to so on and so forth? Can't you make her the same? And then the, when you look over at the other one, the other one just keeps busy doing what they were doing, <laughs> waiting to see. I know he can say it, but will he? And you can see, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her, who's looking at you and sitting at your feet and listening to you, tell her to help me. So you see, Martha is, and we need to get this clear, that Martha is welcoming to Jesus here. She does desire him to be among them. 
That is not the problem. But the problem is how Martha is receiving and welcoming him. When the text says the key word in verse 40, but Martha was distracted with all of the serving. You see, that's the key piece. That's where the welcome got distorted, was with the distraction. In other words, Martha, and I think you can, each of us at different times can appreciate this. Martha, for the sake of welcoming Jesus, is completely distracted away from Jesus himself. So it isn't an indifference. It isn't a legalism. It isn't that she likes working instead of resting. She was joyfully undertaking it until the spirit of distraction. In other words, to be an all-star performer for welcoming Jesus. She was simply overwhelmed. She was doing too much. And then not to help to make matters worse, there's her sister Mary sitting as though she is his disciple. And this distracted spirit of, of providing and working and doing and then seeing Mary sit and listen raises in Martha a spirit of self-pity. Feeling like we're doing everything. I'm the only one. I tease Adrienne, I won't be doing anything and she'll ask me to do something. I say, I'm not busy. I do it all. I say that all the time. She loves it. Um, <laughs> no, she retorts. I know you're not. Um, this sense of self-pity and how quickly a desire to host the Lord, a desire to perform diligent service, a receptivity to the gospel in the big picture gets fleshed out in the details to line one into self-pity. I'm the only one who gets it. I'm the only one who's doing it. I'm the only one who, etc., etc., etc. In that sense of isolation in the kitchen, you can imagine as Martha is diligently cooking, chopping, and preparing, her heart continues with that self-pity to get more and more annoyed and angry about Mary. To where finally her anger with Mary bursts forth in frustration at the Lord himself. I think if we think about that just for one moment with each of our life settings, how many of us have had a pitiful spirit toward ourselves, thinking we're the only ones, etc., etc. And that sense of self-pity and self-loathing turns itself into embittered anger toward an object of someone that we think is behind all of our ills. That sense of broken relationship and self-pity for ourselves then becomes a frustration with the Lord himself. It creates a spiritual vacuum where we're not that interested in being disciples. We're indifferent. We're annoyed. And we're withdrawn. And you notice, it wasn't planned for Martha to end this wonderful moment of welcoming the Lord. She didn't look forward to ending it in self-pity, anger, and frustration that you know had to be embarrassing for her. So too with each and every one of us. We may not plan in getting frustrated with the Lord, 
through a spirit of self-pity and anger at others, but it slowly and steadily happens. The text expresses to us so carefully that the welcome that Jesus is seeking from you and I, from Mary and from Martha, is not a domestic performance of some kind. Or maybe we would move it into not hosting him. Might we say the welcome Jesus seeks is not some sort of spiritual performance that will never be forgotten this side of glory. But rather, he seeks to be welcomed with a spirit of attentiveness to his word. This is what the life of discipleship is about, a life of attentiveness to his word. Notice how he says that in the concluding episode of Mary and Martha. Uh, Amazing, Martha has got to be totally embarrassed at this point at her outburst. And so our Lord graciously yet very directly corrects Martha. Verse 41, but the Lord answered her. You can see the compassion in his voice. Martha, Martha. It's not condescending. It's patient. Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. The the many things are the items, the service. Hey, let's get it. Let's chop it. Let's cook it. Do you want to eat a cold meal? Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Verse 42, but one thing is necessary. In other words, we don't have to eat right at 5 o'clock, Martha. It's going to be fine if we end up eating at 6. One piece is critical. And Mary has chosen it. It's not that, again, the Lord disregards her service or doesn't want her to be happy and excited to host. But there clearly is a priority in the life of discipleship. And Mary has the right priority. He says she's chosen the good portion. That is the same thing as the one thing that's necessary. And then he gently but yet very directly says to her, it will not be taken away from her. In other words, Jesus commends Mary for choosing to listen to him and will not allow Martha or anyone else to deprive her of that opportunity to do so. You see, if we step back from this entire episode and we keep it in the theme of chapter 10 with the spirit of hospitality and receptivity, we have two women who receive the Lord, who love Him. And yet we see more specifically, not just a general sense of welcome or receptivity toward the Lord that He's looking for in the life of disciples, but He's looking more particularly, more specifically to the kind of receptivity that is one that attends attentively to his word. That's the mark of a disciple. Next week he'll show on top of attentiveness to his word is the life of prayer that goes with it. This is the mark of discipleship. 
being attentive to the word. And as we see next week, being people of prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a few moments around your word. We thank you for this story of Mary and Martha that instructs us so clearly about the kind of thing that you desire people to be attentive to, what it is that the life of discipleship looks like to be those who are putting away anxiety and worry about many things and choosing never to neglect that one thing, attentiveness to your word. Thank you for your word and our moments around it. Thank you for hearing you in your word and now moving to see you and your promises in your table. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank <laughs> you.